The following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. All right, let's go ahead and get started for the evening. Glad you all could join us and be a part of this. I hope today is really practical. I've got some friends up here to help me talk through some of these and work through some of these issues together so that it we, re, we want to be able to talk through things together and then have you guys get your hands dirty and practice some of this stuff. So let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer and I'll outline a few things. We're going to work through uh, a few reminders and then we're going to get into the heart of what we're going to try to do tonight. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gathered again tonight just to stir our affections for you, to declare that we want to seek after you. We see that you are our highest joy, our greatest treasure. And while recognizing that and believing that, we also know that we often choose other things to find our joy and satisfaction and happiness. And so we want to renounce that. And we want to help each other pursue our greatest joy in you and uh, a loving relationship with you. And so what we're doing tonight is just simply a tool that we want to be able to use with one another and with ourselves and with others to point us back to you and to love you with all our heart and soul and mind. So to that end, I pray that your name would be glorified. And I pray that you would be honored in what we do. We ask for the Spirit to do the work that only He can do in our hearts to allow us to yield to your promptings and to the Word and conform us to the image of Christ. In Jesus' name. All right, there's a famous preacher. Some of you might have heard of him. His name is Martin Lloyd Jones, but he famously commented once, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, here, that the problem with most of us is that we're not actually talking to ourselves during the day, but we're actually listening to ourselves. And the idea behind that statement is that instead of being purposeful and intentional in the thoughts that we have and speaking to ourselves what is true, we're actually just kind of putting our mind in, in neutral and just listening to the various things that we come across and the stimuli that our, our, our brains send at us and just give us kind of this fleshly, maybe it's negative, maybe it's kind of just neutral, but because it's from the flesh, it's not necessarily positive. So... What I'm, we're trying to do with this whole gospel fluency thing is get us a little more skilled, a little bit more practiced in speaking the truth of the gospel to ourselves on a regular basis. If any of you have ever tried to learn a language, how many of you worked on a, another language? Anybody fluent in a second language? Okay. All right, we got work to do. But here's the thing. We, okay, I, I went to Spanish class for two years in high school. So in Spanish class, you know, you, you start with learning numbers. You start learning pronunciation. You start these drills. And, and then you go and you start having your conversations of, hi, my name is Jared. What's your name? Pleased to meet you. Okay, it's rudimentary. It's dumb. It doesn't get you very far. But you got to start somewhere. So the whole idea of calling this a gospel fluency exercise is that we're trying to do that. We're going to give you some tools, some practice exercises, which are just that. They're just practice so that we can get comfortable, get used to doing this, 
when we're with one another. So in three weeks, if you've practiced this and gone after it and done it and done it, you throw away the tool and you say, good, I'm good to go. I'm, you take the training wheels off and you go for it. So we're going to have a few tools today um, that we can use to help us, particularly in some of what we're trying to do in our community groups and in our particular life groups and the small meetings where we talk to each other about our, the week and things that are going on. Uh, I like what Ed was talking about today, that there should be this sense of openness and ability to come to another brother or another sister and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And then um, instead of just leaving it with, oh, yeah, I am too. Let me pat you on the back. We're going to say, okay, well, I'm equipped. I've got, the I, I've got these, this worksheet I can work through or whatever, but I've got these tools to take that conversation to the next level of not just, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, that's tough. That's hard. But let's, what does that say about our hearts? What does that say about how we're pursuing God? What does that say about what we need to do? What, what we really need to believe differently so that we can change that uh, by the power of the Spirit. So I really appreciate what you had to say, Ed, uh, this morning. And, and I feel like what we're doing tonight should hopefully be a tool for, for using and having those conversations uh, in community. I'm taking most of the pattern, if you will, for what I'm doing tonight from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Basically, uh, it's a very familiar passage, but it's a set, up, set aside entanglements, cast aside your sin, and fix your eyes on Christ. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about entanglements. But at the end of the day, we don't want to stop there. We want to keep moving further into let's fix our eyes on Christ and then run with endurance the race that he's given us for us. That's, a, that's kind of a basic pattern. What I've done is I've asked these guys to join me. We're going to start by having I'll have them just work through a couple reminders of when we say gospel conversation, gospel fluency, there's some key ideas that we want to hit. We want to make sure we're, we're cycling through and thinking about. Uh, this may be very familiar with you, so it's not. Like we're not going to be going, every, everyone's not going to be teaching for 30 minutes. We're going to keep it, keep it short. But it's a reminder so that you remember, okay, these are, these are critical pieces for us to get as we're thinking through the gospel truths and want a gospel ourselves. Uh, so I've got Chris and uh, Wes and Nathan. Um, what I want to start with, just reminding us of, is the fact that our sin is ultimately sin against God as our creator and as Romans 1 says, we often, the essence of sin is taking that which is created and worshiping that instead of the creator. So one of the conversations we're trying to have as we talk about this is, how can we see this wrong thing that we did? Say we, you know, we, we're, we're lusting. Uh, how can we see that not as simply an action that we want to avoid or the Bible tells us to avoid, how can we see that actually as idolatry? That's going to be a key part of what we're going to talk about tonight because we want, to, we want to see how we're choosing to find satisfaction, joy, happiness in something other than Jesus Christ. And then at the end of our conversation, we repent of that and say, Jesus, I want to pursue you because I see that you're better than any of this. So a related concept with that is the concept of our identity and what we create or maintain or want to have as our identity as a person, 
as a family, as a, as a community, whatever. And I wanted to have Chris review a little bit about what it means to find our identity in Christ and how we can often do that in a, in a wrong way. Or we find our identity in other things, not, uh, not, not Christ. So that's related to the concept of idolatry. So if you could go ahead and just share a little bit about what that looks like. Tim Keller has actually been helpful in my thinking on some of this in, in his, some of his writings. Uh, he likes to uh, identify the, the wrong identities that we have. And um, I, I, I like what you said. I mean, it ultimately gets down to idolatry. But he, he suggests that when we have an identity that we've created as, again, they're subordinate to our, what we find as our identity in Christ, then when we, when we create this identity of I'm a good person, then any threat to that makes us angry and bitter and upset. And that's usually how we know that we have, we have this identity that we're trusting in to, for essentially salvation or it's become God's put in, it's been put in God's place. So I feel happy or successful or joyful when I feel like other people know me as a good person. And when that's threatened, then I become angry and frustrated and um, bitter about those things. But what, what's happened is that that's become a God substitute. Now, God is our, the way it's supposed to be is God is our joy and our satisfaction and our treasure. And we're supposed to find our happiness and joy there. But what we've really done is rolled that back to, no, it's money or it's my reputation or it's, it's this identity that I've created. Uh, that makes that helps me find my satisfaction and my joy and my my fulfillment. So what we're saying is that's on par with idolatry because, like Chris said, we've got this identity in Christ that's amazing, and yet we just don't really believe that that's valuable, and so we try to create these other things that will we think will give us satisfaction, joy, happiness, whatever, but it's not going to. Yeah, and um, often the, these identities that we create are actually part of our self-salvation project where we try to do good, be cool, um, make it look like we don't really need a Savior. Or one of the things that's resonant in my heart that I've confessed to the guys in my life group a lot is I want to, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I'm, I know I'm a bad person, but I want to make Jesus feel like he got a good deal when he got me. Like, he didn't really have to go, you know, I mean, it's stupid to verbalize that, but you see what I'm saying? Like, we want to prove to God, hey, you really did, you really made the right choice. No, he didn't. <laughs> There's no reason he should choose any of us. But that's, that's what's in my heart, um, and, and I know that that comes up. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I think I would recommend, if you haven't read uh, Prodigal God by Tim Keller, I really feel like it's, it's profitable for him exposing a lot of junk in your heart. Great book. One of the other things that happens when, when you experience this idolatry and that shows up in the form of any number of sins that we're talking about, what the, at the heart of that is unbelief and or believing the wrong things. And I want to have Nathan just kind of review that for us and give us some thoughts as we uh, 
we're going to be finishing up here with with Nathan and then Wes, and then we'll we'll get into our stuff. But I wanted him to really quickly just review that for us, uh, the idea of unbelief. And what we're going to find too is that this is where we've got to do the hard work. Um, we're, we, I mean, we got to do hard work to identify the truths of idolatry, the truths that we need to believe. But as Christian, one of the things we want to tell you and send you out the door with tonight is is a way for you to say, I want to believe this. That's where you're going to do the hard work instead of saying, I'm going to go work harder. You understand the difference? We're, we're trying to say, believe that Jesus is better. That's where we want to spend the, do the hard heart work of Jesus is better than this pleasure or this sin or you know this money or this identity that I have. So we're going to fill our minds, we're going to think truth about the situation, and then we're going to ask, we're going to repent of the fact that we don't believe it, and we're going to ask God to give us the faith and, and help our unbelief so that we can really believe this. And then, of course, we're going to act that out, but we're going to act out what is true of us, that true of our identity, who we are in Christ, what he has accomplished. We're going to believe that, and then we're going to live that out. So there is still obviously a responsibility for us to live it out, but we're not primarily meeting here to say, okay, try harder, and here's how you know we're going to pump each other up with this, this cool slogan, and we're just going to go try harder. It's going to be all about believe these things are true. Bring yourself back to this. Believe this. Believe Jesus is better. Then walk it out. A final piece that I want to just review for us is the whole, once we move from analyzing, thinking through this situation, trying to understand the truth about it, to actually putting things into action, as we've already verged into, the Christian life is not about just self-help. Okay, so you got saved, and then now it's take it from here, work hard, try to be a better person. There's, There's actually a way to do this. Um, so I wanted Wes to review a little bit from Ephesians 4 on what this process looks like. And, I mean, we've kind of verged in to that already, but I want to have Wes do that. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be steps we take. It's not like we just don't do that. But we're going to begin with the reality that is who we are in Christ and what he has accomplished. Okay, so what we're going to do is um, we have a a question here and I'll take a few more questions and then we're going to take a quick break and then we're getting into the practical side of this. You guys get to stick around for that. Caleb, what was your question? Speak truth one with your, his neighbor. Right. Which, is, which is a huge part of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to not only come to this in isolation and say I've, I've thought through these things but in a, in a group of guys in a community say we're going to provide a venue and a forum for us to be able to speak truth one with another. Because that's that's a key part in that whole process. Any other questions? Okay, let's take a uh, five, seven-minute break, get some coffee, stretch your legs, and then when, we, when you come back on your way in, I'm going to have a worksheet uh, on one of the back chairs, so make sure you pick one up. We're going to be working off of it for the, for the rest of the evening. All right, so remember, this is like a worksheet you get in Spanish class to practice a grammar exercise, right? After you get the grammar exercise done, you got the grammar done, you throw the piece of paper away and you keep talking the right way in Spanish, okay? So this is exactly what you're going to do with this. In three weeks, when you get a lot of practice at having gospel conversations with brothers and sisters, you're going to throw this piece of paper away, forget Jared ever had anything to do with it, and you're just going to roll with it because you're already going to be fluent and you're going to go. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, again, this is just a tool 
work through the it's to help you have a template to get started in a conversation i was just talking with ed and i can see that there there could be this void of okay i'm in a community group and they put me in this life group and there's three of us and we're sitting here and what do we talk about this is what we can talk about and i think it's going to be a healthy conversation so again just use this as a template you can go for it um in, in your life groups, and, and we really, really want people to get into these life groups and be able to be open with one another because the, the, the Spirit is going to use the body to make you more like Christ and stir your affections for Christ, which is actually two ways of saying the same thing. But the body, the Spirit is going to use the body, the brothers and sisters in your life to point you towards, hey, you're, you're wasting your time in the gutter. Go get something that's awesome in Jesus. Yeah, uh, if you're not familiar with it, we're breaking in, we're starting these uh, life groups that are maybe three to five, preferably like three people, gender specific. So three ladies would meet together, three guys would meet together and meet, try to meet once a week or it, twice uh, twice a month if you had to, just to, to talk through these things. In our life groups, this is, this is the way we do it, maybe a little different from everybody else, but we try to cover three things. We try to talk about what are you reading in the scriptures. We're, we're, we're not coming saying, okay, somebody's going to prepare a lesson and spoon feed it to you. It's understanding you're supposed to be in the scriptures. You, you love God enough that you're going to pursue him that way. So what are you reading? What are you getting from your scripture reading? And then we confess sin and gospel one another. A conversation like we're trying to have today. And then we're trying to also to talk and pray through and encourage one another in reaching out to people, seeing how we can do that, encourage uh, again, just encourage that and foster that because we are not being obedient if we merely focus on sin uh, as personal problems or character deficiencies and not looking also at our great commandment to reach out to those around us so that they can understand and experience this great joy in Christ as well. So that's our small group. Uh, Wes, uh, sorry, not Wes, uh, Jordan has actually posted something on Cobblestone that has kind of a, I think he calls it a life group guide. There are. So he's got he's got this paper that says life groups, participant guide, something very similar. You can grab that too. Maybe he'll hear some ideas in stereo and kind of get it a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, that's what life groups are. Thanks, Jordan. Okay, so what we're going to do, again, we're not the experts, but I want to work through this worksheet together with this panel here so we can just talk about some of these concepts. Take a look at your worksheet really quick. At the top, we've got some, some just statements about how the gospel addresses some of the areas that we've talked about today. Then there's a re section for reflection, just taking stock of your week, your day, your month, and trying to think of, trying to think in specifics. I think it really helps us if we go from, yeah, I've just been really struggling this week, to, I chose to enjoy anger or enjoy lust and actually write it down. And you can answer some of these questions and, and identify that. But again, specifics are helpful rather than just, well, it's been a rough week. I feel like the devil's getting me or, you know, I'm struggling. That's really vague. You don't know what you're talking about. And until you identify this is my sin struggle, this is what I'm actually doing. I'm choosing to do this. Then um, that's a huge step for 
for making us. All right, so that's the first section here. It's just an opportunity for you to reflect. (laughs) Um, The second section here is ask yourself the following questions about the specific thing that you've identified in the reflection section. Again, it's just helping you see that this is idolatry, helping you see that you've um, had a wrong identity in uh, that you were relying on for satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness, joy, um, identifying the lies that you may be believing, um, looking at your heart motivation, and even trying to address how you might be working on your own self-salvation, as uh, avoiding sin so you can avoid Jesus, if you will. So that's that's the second section there. Then the third section, what does the gospel have to say about the specific area? And um, this is turning from from the negative, this is what I did wrong, to, okay, how does the gospel address this? Um, as Wes said, I've got, I've got forgiveness in this. This sin has been covered by Christ, so I can rejoice in that. I need to find and, and think through, how is Jesus better? And, and I think your points earlier, guys, have been great. Uh, we, we need to get beyond just Jesus is better. Oh, yeah, okay, I, I, I get that. But let's identify how. How is God better? How is Jesus better to us? What truths do we need to believe? What uh, aspects of the gospel do we need to rejoice in and thank God for? Um, and other scripture verses that we can meditate on. Um, so that would be that, that section. Then last, uh, second to last, what does it look like to walk worthy of the gospel in this particular area? And again, these questions are just helping us see, okay, based on our identity in Christ, who we are and what he's done for us, how can I live that out? As opposed to saying, okay, well, the Bible says I'm not supposed to do these five things, so I'm going to go try to figure out how to not do those. That's getting getting it the wrong way. So we're trying to think through those areas of, okay, as I move forward in this, it's true, and so my proper response is to live out that reality. It's it's Philippians uh, 2, 13. Uh, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God's working in you both to give you the desire to do it and the power to do it. So, so we work it out. We go out and do it. And then finally, uh, I mean, the, the only appropriate response is to prayerfully repent. Um, and I think that we probably throw that around pretty flippantly, but we should take time to think about the weight of when I say that I've just committed idolatry, what does that really mean? I mean, if God really is who he says he is, and he is, idolatry is no trifling matter. It's not like, whoops, yeah, sorry, man. I, I yeah, screwed up there. That's a big deal, and we need to think about that and then agree with God about the truth of who he is, who we are. And then I think the final step is, is good for us, the final statement there, just to make us take us going from going and being just a hearer to being a doer. What's one step of action I'm going to take? Again, it's not because we're all about, okay, now I have a concrete step, action. Uh, it's because of all that God is for us. Now I'm going to take, I am going to obey and believe him um, and take that step of action so that I'm not simply a hearer of the word, but I'm also a doer. Make sense? So what I was hoping to do is talk about the example of, say, some we have somebody 
um, in section one, the reflection section, that I, they identify that they're feeling discontent with what they have or they're wanting to have more things, more money, whatever. Um, so maybe I can throw this out to Chris first, at least to get it started. How is this really idolatry? I mean, some sense is at least. Yeah, discontent with what we have, wanting to have more things. Yeah, how is it? How do how do we see idolatry in this? And and part of what we're doing is we've got an exercise here that's a little. I mean, we just arbitrarily came up with an example. Um, no, not at all. Because I think it's helpful to say you're hearing. Okay, say just pretend you're in you're in your group, your life group, and you're, someone's starting to talk in terms of I'm discontent. Well, then you go down the same trail you're talking about. Is well, well, what? What's the real problem here? You know, where is that discontent? Where is the idolatry? So we start asking questions to get down to, okay, what is the the issue there? Um, but we're what, but that flag's going off in our mind of, hey, this could potentially be an idolatry and identity thing. I mean, Chris was talking about both of those things pretty much simultaneously. It's idolatry because you know th- th- there's there's a very real sense in which I could I want money because I want to maintain an identity of. I want to have a nice car. I want to have a nice house. I want to have nice clothes. I want people to perceive me a, a certain way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is that this is a little bit arbitrary. Everybody's heart is going to be different. Um, but we we want to go through the exercise. And as brothers and sisters who are across the table, we want to be able to have that flag go up, say, okay, th- these are categories that I'm going to start thinking in, idolatry, identity, and recognize that and point them. Like keep keep asking questions. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we want to get to is we want to get to seeing Jesus as better, um, as we've talked about. So <clears throat> maybe a useful exercise would also be to say, how would I find Christ to be sufficient or better even if something did happen? I mean, it's just um, because God, if we believe what he, about, uh, if we believe what, who God is, then, then even if this worst case scenario happens, then Jesus is going to reveal himself to us and be better. Um, because, again, God's not, I, I don't think God's, like you said, God's not really as concerned about our happiness and our security as he is about us conforming to the image of Christ, which is, again, another way of saying being like Christ because we know him. So um, I think part of what we do is we just, we take a shortcut on that on that conversation with ourselves, like Nathan was saying, um, and we just say, yeah, I know that's true, but I, and I know I'm not supposed to do that. But I, I think it, it, it's worth doing a, a, a pretty thorough journaling, writing it down, thinking through it, writing, okay, what are the specific lies I'm believing? What are the truths that I need to believe? And then come up with, again, how am I going to action item fight by, to believe what is true?
All right, so we've got only a few more minutes. What I want to do is um, have you guys break up into groups of three to five people um, with people sitting around you. And uh, so, so go ahead and do that right now. We, we really only have a little bit more time. But go ahead and break up into groups of three to five people, however you want. And what I want us to think about is, again, this is just completely arbitrary. It's just a, an example for us to work through. But I want you to, if you need a pen, write it down. If you keep it in your head, that's great. But think about a situation such as uh, complaining about a situation that's outside of your control. So... What I'm doing is I'm just, I'm just giving you an example idea to talk through. So if you don't like it, go with another one. That's fine by me. But I'm, what I'm suggesting is that you talk about the idea of complaining about a situation that's outside of your control at work, at work, at home, something like that. So just work through the questions. Obviously, this reflection section is a little bit irrelevant right now just because I'm kind of pre-priming pre -prim the, the pump, as it were. Um, but I just want you to have practice doing that. Take a few minutes to answer the questions. Think about how this can be idolatry. This is uh, identity issues, etc. So again, the thing you're working through is, again, if you don't like it, do choose something else. But uh, complaining about a situation that's outside of your control. So go for it. And we're going to reconvene with uh, in seven minutes. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Just stay where you are. I want to hear from you, though, this time. All right. So we're talking about the issue of complaining about a situation that's outside of our control. Probably somewhat obvious after the conversations that we've been having, but I want to hear from one of the groups. What do you, where do you see idolatry in this situation? Got a volunteer? Where do we see idolatry in this situation? Seth, what did your group come up with? Okay, good. Wait a minute. You can't talk about that because I'm a FedEx driver. <laughs> that, that might be a little convicting. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, any time of the day is good. <laughs> You're going to hit traffic. Okay, and that, and that in that scenario, life is about me um, and what I want and what's comfortable. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
So, okay, so what he just ide- what he's just pulling up is an identity. He wants to maintain an identity of I'm responsible, I get up on time, I do everything ready and get ready so I get in a car on time so that I can be at church on time and project that image. So, so that's a God substitute. Like, <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> nice. Okay, any other thoughts on idolatry or identity? Any thoughts of, I mean, that's great. I'm glad you guys were a little more specific. It's hard in an exercise like this to come up with something like that. What lies uh, are we believing when we're complaining? You go. Sure. Yep. That if I if I were God, I would have not allowed that to happen. That's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, Wes and I were just talking about that. I know my own uh, about I know my own personal situation. Right. There was one instance. Deserving that I deserve, you know, thinking that I deserve something. And we, if we all got what we deserve, we wouldn't, we wouldn't go to hell. We would be in hell. So, yeah, um, Dave. Yeah, taking every thought captive uh, would be one of the scriptural ways of, of thinking about that. I mean, it's just a continual fight. But one of the ways that the gospel is better in that situation, and I, I don't know if I'm hitting it exactly right, and every heart's different, but there's often a need for us to feel like we've got to perform. Like, we have to we have to perform in parenting. Like, I need evidence. I mean, I'm speaking as not yet having any kids yet on the way here yet. But, um, you know, we, we act as if, like, I've got to perform. I've got to, I've got to see evidence that this parenting is working. And Jesus says, you can't make it. That's the beauty of the cross. Jesus isn't calling us to perform because he says, I'm going to perform for you. Justification is sweet because Jesus went to the cross knowing that we were totally sinful and could never do anything for God. And so he took our place, and God is able to look at us and say, because of Christ, I'm going to declare you righteous. So we are completely free from performing, like trying to, whether it's parenting, being a good husband, being a good worker at at work, being a good mom, whatever it is, we are so free in the gospel to stop worrying about that. But then go back to, thank you, God, for, for what I have in you, and I'm going to take your, who I am in you and live it out. So, all right, but what lies might be in play here? Um, probably we talked about a lot of them, but we just, yeah, Mark. All right, we, we really need to wrap it up. But let's finish setting aside sin and entanglements and casting our eyes and fixing our eyes on Jesus. So how is Jesus better in this area? What do we see, Jesus? How can we see that in this situation? Yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and I think you alluded to it. Ultimately, getting to someplace on time or having a frustration-free day is not what's going to make us happy. Jesus is going to make us happy. We need to go after him hard and know him. Like, Wes, I appreciate your point earlier. Let's spend time knowing him, um, fellowshipping with him, so here's, here's my final thought. Don't do it alone. You don't kind of take this and just do it by yourself and in a closet. Go find some brothers and sisters. Work through this worksheet. Again, three weeks, four weeks, when you feel like you're comfortable, take the training wheels off, throw the piece of paper away, but keep having the gospel conversation because you want to have brothers and sisters who are going to point you to Jesus Christ and tell them, hey, look, get out of the gutter. Jesus Christ is awesome. Go spend time with him. All right, so go, go do it.